Welcome to What Do You Say Anime. I'm your host Peter. Now, on today's episode, we are discussing the twenty, or sorry, the twenty, the nineteen ninety-eight movie Perfect Blue. Joining me from Watch Club, first we have Has. Has, how's it going today? I I shouldn't have watched this movie. I I'm not. I'm not going to be able to sleep right tonight. All right, fantastic. That's great news. Uh, next, joining us, Happy. Happy, how's it going today? Uh, I agree with Has. I should not have watched this movie. Well, has a happier, <laughs> pretty distraught over it. Uh, well, hopefully Johnny's doing better. Johnny, how are you doing today? Well, you know me, I don't get scared, and plus my sleep schedule is already fucked up, so I mean, like, what happens, happens. All right, right on. Uh, and our first moderator of the night, Miles. Miles, how's it going? I am uh, Mima's complete lack of surprise. Nice. And our second moderator of the night is Pat. Pat, how's it going? Uh, good. Yeah, hello, everybody. Uh, there is an imposter among us, and I think Pink is looking kind of sus. Wow, so, nice. Yeah, thank you. I'm proud of that one. That was a good joke, right? So now we can transition right away, flawlessly, into our first impressions of this movie. Like Pete said, it's our oldest show we've covered in Watch Club by far. Um, you know, it's uh, 1997, I believe, was the uh, the year. Yeah, and, it was like mass uh, released in 98. Mm-hmm. Master, there you go. Yeah, so it was like winter 1997. So who knows what that meant? Yeah, exactly. So uh, we, and it's also our second movie though that we're covering. We did a girl who left through time uh, uh, first, and now we are covering Perfect Blue. So why don't we get our first impressions? Uh, Miles, you are at the top of my list. So why don't you start us off? Sure. Um, uh, spoiler free, by the way, just so anyone who's listening. Yeah. So this movie is um, uh, like an absolute. Uh, psychological uh, thriller um, trip and a half. So um, if you want a movie that sort of keeps you at the edge of your seat, wondering what's happening, throwing you curveball after curveball, um, just like hitting you with fish and those fish are red herrings, um, then this movie is for you. Um, I thought it was uh, absolutely... I, I don't know. I'm still, I've, I've done nothing but think about this movie since I've watched it. And that's how I'll end my statement. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's, uh, I mean, whether that's good or bad, that's uh, up for debate, but it, it definitely does keep you uh, thinking about it after the movie. I, I can agree. I was in the same boat. Uh, Has, what about you? What have you got for us? Yeah, so when I. 
Perfect timing, as always, you know. The, yeah, can't, yeah. Can't control outside people, right? Can't, That's the worst. Can't control, and they, they, you know what you can't control? You, you can hope they close the door when they leave your room, right? Anyways. <laughs> um, it's a nice, so, sick maneuver there, I got to say. You. Professional podcast, right? Nice uh, kick. Thank you. Um, I, I took Taekwondo. Anyways, the movie. Um, Yeah, no, this movie, when I said I was going to stay up tonight, not because I was scared. I've seen worse. Uh, I, I saw worse earlier tonight. Uh. In terms of scaredness, uh, I'm just I'm very confused and I feel stupider than I've ever felt before. I I don't know what's going on, but that's the beauty of it, because, you know, there's the I don't know what's going on and I don't really give a fuck. I'm just not going to take the time. But this one makes me want to take the time. Um, and and that's scary. And th- that hurts. It hurts a lot. Yeah, no, I, I think I get what you're saying. I, I'm the more I listen, the more I'm glad I wasn't here for our little uh or for the majority of the two hours, it sounds like that you guys were talking about this before our show tonight. So that was, uh, <laughs> again, it sounds like it's a good thing that I wasn't here because otherwise I'd be in the same boat as you. Uh, Happy, what have you got for us? What's your uh, recommendation as well? Do you recommend it? Uh, uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, so I watched this movie and from visual uh, standpoint it's very impressive from a plot standpoint it's very intriguing and a bit confusing but oh boy did it make me uncomfortable and i don't want to watch it again and yeah do i recommend it no no really okay fair enough um the the feeling of uncomfort is is a very familiar as from that movie i i gotta say the the entire movie you were just sitting there and i i don't know if you if you can't handle it which i'm not saying you can't but if in general you can't handle something like that then i i don't think this movie's for you and i can definitely agree with you with that um johnny what about you what have you got yeah i'm just a fucking lunatic but uh i guess i just wasn't sensitive to this kind of thing at all i kind of just like i saw the fucked up stuff that was going on I'm like okay this is where this movie's going all right i see how it is wow johnny's but, uh, a big boy yeah, I'm a big boy. Uh, don't call me 12 years old. Okay, anyways. 13. Sorry. <laughs> God damn. Anyways, okay, so uh, going into this, like, you know, like, this isn't, like, the type of show that I would, like, watch by myself. Like, not at all. But, like, I went into it. Like, it, it was better than I thought it would be, honestly. I, like, I actually was kind of attached to the characters by the end of it. So, yeah, i say it was, like, pretty good. Cool. I um... uh, didn't lose sleep because of it, though. Like, unlike a lot of you, I feel like. <laughs> Well, most of us haven't lost sleep from it yet because we haven't slept since we've watched it, but fair <laughs> enough. Uh, <laughs> I think that's just you. No, no. No, I actually have slept since I watched it, so I'm feeling good about it. like 10 um, minutes. Yeah, no, it doesn't count. Uh, but yeah, uh, that I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, that uh, John, Johnny's tougher than all of us, I guess. All of us. Uh, I don't, I don't feel emotions. Good for you. Uh, someday maybe that'll change. Uh, Pete, what have you got? Man, uh, I love like thriller, whodunit, like uh, conspiracy theories based off this. We were in Discord for two hours talking about it. I changed my mind about seven times on what I thought about this movie. Not in terms of like what I would rate it, but like just in terms of there's just so many questions that they leave unanswered on purpose, I think, and leaves it up to interpretation. And would I recommend this? Absolutely. I would absolutely recommend this movie to almost anybody. Maybe if you're like 15 or older, 
man, this was uh this was a great great film. Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna echo a lot of what Pete said. Uh, first off, I absolutely do recommend it. I, I really, really, really enjoyed it all throughout the entire time. I was just on the edge of my seat, wanting to find out what happens next. There are things that it that frustrated me during the movie, but in general, I don't think there is um, I don't think there's ever been a movie that's captivated me as much as, as this one did. Uh. It's a very good critique of idol culture, and uh, again, the suspense throughout and the thriller aspect is is just so so captivating. I, uh, I, I it, again, it was just mind boggling how how invested I was in this in this movie. And there there are a lot of different things that it does extremely well, and there is a lot of things that it doesn't do very well. So, uh, Miles, why don't you start us off? Because I know you wanted to talk about uh, the juxtaposition between general uh, plot points and things going on um, with the character's personal life. So, first off, spoilers going forward are, are, you know, our game. So, please, if you have not seen the movie yet, watch it yourself first before listening. And also... There are some very sensitive subjects covered in this movie, so if you are triggered by anything such as rape, sexual assault, murder, or anything along those lines, this is probably not the episode for you, so please be careful uh, going forward. Thank you, so trigger warnings out of the way. Go ahead, Miles. Yeah, so uh, there's a few little things uh, that I want to get through quickly that I just thought were really well-constructed about the show. Uh, I think the plan for tonight is to uh, primarily discuss uh, the plot and uh how each of us interpreted what happened um but one thing that i wanted to uh talk about um was how well uh the show juxtaposes uh cuts to bring themes forward like one thing that johnny had said was that he actually felt something for the characters towards the end um and i think the juxtaposition shots of um uh mima at the beginning uh, with her like everyday mundane life and her idol career um, are, are like a big reasons for that because they don't have any exposition and stuff, but it really establishes who she is as a person. So, you know, you, you see her doing the whole like song and dance that is the idol thing, but then you also see her buying milk and feeding her neon tetras and, um, you know, her room is filled with things. She has stuffed animals. She has a PlayStation. Um like she is a fleshed out person and we don't know everything about her yet, but it, 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 in my opinion, it made her seem very real. Um, there is a scene that we will get to later that does juxtaposition very well that I know Pete is very excited to talk about. Um, but are there any moments like that, like where you're contrasting or like the show contrasts two different things with each other, uh, that anyone else noticed or liked? um throughout i guess just the whole series of this show what do you mean by like contrasting by, by like... yeah so like i guess my example would be like i mean the beginning right where it it's it, it shows the very glamorous side of idol life and then it cuts to like the solitude the loneliness the issues that come with it and stuff in between these shots and it does that uh, you know, for a lot of things, um, it's sort of throughout the movie, um, where, for example, I guess like another example I can give of this is, 
Um, there's like a deconstruction of fan service in anime during the rape scene where, um, and it's not an actual rape scene. Um, it's her filming a rape scene in a movie. And so uh, the, the actors are all pretty uncomfortable with the scene. Um, you can tell that like during the pauses and stuff during, um, the shots when it's not you see like two views of it there's um shots um from the camera's perspective which are all sort of like gratuitous and sexualized and then there are shots outside from like i guess the movie's perspective which are all sort of uh horrific honestly like it's it's viewing it as like a very dark thing so like the cutting between those two different points of view uh helps the movie say what it wants to about that fan service johnny uh, you have something to say about this. Oh, yeah. So, like, I said, like, how, like, I actually felt something about the characters. And I think one of the reasons for that is that, like, they're depicted as real people. Because a lot of times, like, you know, like, these idols, like, they're seen as, like, something beyond human. Which, like, a lot of people view them as that. Like, they see them as, like, the perfect human. And then you see, like, they're just, like, normal people. This is just their job. Like, you see, like, Mima, like, goes through her struggles with life. Like, things like that. So that's what made me, like, actually feel, like some sort of emotional attachment with the characters since that's the big deal with me when it comes to like watching shows in general i want to be attached to the characters so that things that happen to them like i actually feel something for them yeah uh i guess uh, we i was uh, kind of hoping that we didn't get right into this scene because it's my favorite uh i it sounds weird saying it's my favorite scene in the movie but it is um because it, fan, it, so <laughs> There you go. You got me there. Um, no, this scene is extremely well done. Like it is it, again. It's the highlight of the movie for me because, um, well, well, just to put it bluntly, the the rape, her rape in that, which of course again, this was her pretend, uh, pretending. It was uh for the movie, but it uh, her coming from her idol background, a scene like this, a scene like this is jarring for any actor, but especially for someone who's coming from an idol background, it is a completely different um task for them to partake in and the fact that that rape scene symbolized like the rape and death of her idol character not not only in the eyes of the public but then also in the eyes of uh her name's rumi right uh her her manager her former idol mentor and everything else uh that was when she snapped that you know she breaks out of the room crying and uh literally snaps as well uh i would say with her uh dissociative identity disorder uh as well so uh i i thought that this scene was so well done because it it if for one it depicts the horror of rape because it is not comfortable the acting the screaming was just it 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 really made you uncomfortable watching it which is what it was supposed to do but it also uh symbolized so much more such as again the 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 destruction the complete because you know she does a scene like that there is no going back to her idol career there's just it 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 already would have been tough uh because she quit to be an actor but or actress but with a scene like this on her resume and uh it, it really symbolized the death and of her idol and like that uh persona and uh i i thought that was just again stunningly done i don't know if anyone else had uh had thoughts about that that's a good point. I honestly didn't even think of it that way, but that makes a lot of sense. And I think there's like a scene that kind of shows that because you see her when she leaves the group 
and she's in the office and her Ray and I forgot the other girl's name are celebrating because her, the idol group that she was in before is now charting. Like they're now successful after that she left and she gets approached that she's um, Rumi says like, Hey, the next scene you're going to do is really like risque. Like, are you sure you want to do it? That type of thing. And she's like, yeah, I'll do my best. She does the scene and then she's at home, but she's in her tub, uh, like kind of crying and sad. And she's like, I, she's, I think the exact quote was like bastards. I didn't want to do that scene. And it really shows like who she, like she wants to be like the actress, but like she's getting pushed around and it's, it's not the person that she used to be. She's no longer this cute idol. She's now being in rape scenes and TV show, or I guess a movie. So it's just like, it completely changes her character in like a matter of like seven minutes. Right. And uh, I think, yeah, I think the actual, the quote, like she's, she calls him a bastard, but she even is sitting there like, of course I didn't want to do that scene. Like, I, I think she says that as well, um, which, you know, uh, who knows? Was that actually her or was that Rumi thinking that as her, as the idol version of her? Who I, Sorry, don't mean to cast doubt into your heads there. I, I think it was actually her though, because what kind of actress actually wants to be uh put into situations like that but uh but yeah so uh happy you've got something to say let's hear it yeah so with <clears throat> that scene and it wasn't just that she had to do that particular scene she also had to do like uh photo shoots and whatnot and i will give credit where it's due it does a very good job at making you feel uncomfortable and uneasy and all that but that's one of the big things i really didn't like in the film um it just made me feel really ugh. did you not like it know. just because of like the nature of it or did you not like it because of like it was filmed ba- or like it was presented bad or is it just it like, presented... not just the nature of it it was just the nature it was i wouldn't say it was presented badly it was like probably better than anything sao or anything like it's probably the exception rather than the rule but i still it still made me very uncomfortable yeah, I, I think that's completely fair to feel very uncomfortable during, even though it is a, um, again, it's very clear too. It's not like they they cut to this scene while it's happening and it looks like she's actually being raped. It is very clearly set up to be a movie uh, like set, but it is still extremely uncomfortable and the acting is so vivid and it, you just sit there and you're just like, oh no, is this going to happen in the future? Because a couple of the other things that have happened in the show up to this point have been happening to her in her real life as well. So there's there's that um that shadow of doubt in your mind about like what what this means for her character. I, again, I that's why I, it's my favorite scene. I think you could talk about it for so so long. Um, but yeah. So Johnny, uh, you had something to say about this. Well, I'm I'm kind of happy happy you brought up uh, SAO because <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, like if you like SAO, that's fine. It's, it's your opinion. I'm not gonna judge. But like, see, like for me, like okay. First of all, you already know that like I'm kind of insensitive when it comes to this kind of thing. But like, I feel like if a scene needs to be like messed up, it has to like serve a purpose. And like in this, it served its purpose. It's to show like what she's going through and how like she doesn't want to do this, but she does it anyways because she wants to be an actor. Which I think is like a strong point because like it doesn't do this for the sake of like fan service for the movie or anything. It's to show you that like this is a situation that she doesn't want to be in. And then we're in SAO, well you can argue that it's there just for the fan service. 
so what I would say about that is that I think the point of the, specifically the scene in uh, the second half of season one of SAO, right? Th that scene is there to make us hate whatever that guy's name is. I forget who it is. Um, Sugo. Uh, yeah. Um, however, the scene is shot in such a way that the actual assault that happens is like clearly meant to be like tantalizing for the viewer. So what this movie does that, uh, you know, 15 years before SAO comes out or whatever um, is basically critique that type of thing, which is uh, like uh, the, the, the contrast behind like how she looks when she's in that rape scene and when they're filming like her breasts and it's all sexualized and stuff. And then how she feels when she's in the tub, like, it's very humanizing for the subjects of this. Um, whereas something like SAO isn't. It, it, you know, SAO was like, okay, let's show something awful, but also like throw our audience a little bone here. We can see Asuna's panties or whatever. Um, where this is really supposed to show you how uncomfortable something like that is. They, uh, this is like a meta commentary on what SAO does, in my opinion. Uh yeah, I I don't know. So I I'm not even gonna address the SAO point because I think it's fair, but it's also been beaten to death about how how bad of a scene that was. And uh, but yeah, I agree with Miles that this uh this was definitely a critique of fan service in anime as well because it even though there so it was something I talked to him about earlier in the day as well that I was like, well, wow, I was actually surprised that not only did they show like like breasts and and nudity in this movie but they 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 went like like full full-on show and everything and um you don't usually see that in anime and maybe it was because it was from the 90s so they were you know the rules were a little bit less uh more lax with censoring back then but they uh they went all out and they were willing to show everything which was not which is not usually the case in most anime you know like not we're not talking about like dxd like anime we're talking about like um you know, like a a pure story rather than a, what's supposed to be fan service. So, um, so yeah, the I, I don't know that that photo shoot was a great example too, where where she is being she's being sexualized, and you can tell. And in the shoot, she's doing a fantastic job acting like she's happy with it. But then when she actually gets, um, you know, it, it gets done with it and is and is finished, she is she is miserable. She is she is devastated by what she's done and um and again you could you could discuss though whether that's Rumi feeling that when we see her uh you know being devastated or being bothered by what she's doing uh you know Rumi pretending to be mommy or having the identity disorder to be not mommy Mi minami oh, sorry again the, the mima or, mima <laughs> god damn it there's so many uh names like that um yeah and speaking of that Pat, that dissociation between the two characters is, I, I would say, probably the predominant theme of the movie. There are um, many scenes in this movie, mostly involving murder, um, where we, uh, like, where who is doing what and why is not necessarily clear. Um, throughout uh, the movie, we are led to believe that uh, Mima is sort of lashing out and attacking people who have, like, I guess, forced her 
into these situations, resulting in the loss of her innocence. However, we find later um, that it is potentially possible that some or all of these cases uh, were Rumi, who was her manager, who was very protective of her and didn't want her to go into these sort of more adult roles where she would be viewed more sexually and things like that. She wanted to preserve or idolize the idol uh, Mima. I know that uh, has has a lot to say here, um, as we had discussed about this earlier, so we're going to let him kick off this conversation, uh, but I, I, I do know that this is something we all sort of have our own opinions on, so uh, has kick us off. Yeah, this is kind of where the fun of the movie comes in, because I think that the dissociation and who kills who, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is, is just, it's left ambiguous enough to a few different interpretations. Um, each, I would say, hold their different amounts of water and the interpretation that i like to go with per, a lot of it is i personally like this i i believe that what the explanation that i'm going to give is, is going to sound very like huh it's just a feeling and that's really what it is i think that the entire movie there's a there's a movie that is being shot which is supposed to basically be perfect blue but it's it's referred to as double bind um it's telling you the story of perfect blue essentially through it though um and there's a lot of uh towards the middle of the movie and uh like the very very end there's a lot of scenes that are shot uh sort of like a regular scene in perfect blue and then it's like you hear cut and then you see that oh this was actually a scene for double bind that didn't actually happen uh Probably the best example of this is you see Mima walking down a street and she's getting chased by someone. Um, This is after you learn that she, like after she quits being an idol and she's starting up her career as an actress. uh, Someone's like, oh, do you want to try modeling? Um, And this isn't for like the modeling that she actually does. This is for modeling within the movie. which is now funny that I, that that happened before she even got the call for the, the photo shoot. That's kind of funny. Um, but so my theory is that at the very end, um, when everything sort of uh, concludes, we get this scene where uh, Rumi, the manager, is in a psych ward or like a psychiatric hospital, and um, Mima's there talking to a doctor, uh, talking about the dissociative identity disorder. And then she leaves, gets in her car, and says, I'm the real Mima. Now, this scene, uh, Pete has brought this to, well, I'll I'll let Pete explain, because it actually isn't relevant, but there's a lot of things here that are interesting. I think the most interesting part is that throughout the entire movie, Mima is referred to as Mima, or Mima-chan. And it makes sense because she's an idol, and everyone knows who she is, at least that we see of in the public. Um, except when she's on double blind, she's specifically referred to as Kirigo Mima or Kirigo Mami. It's Mima still, right? Yeah. She's still Mima in the movie. Yeah. So she's Mima in the movie, but she's referred to by her full name, um, instead of just Mima Chan. And the last person to talk to Mima, uh, in the movie refers to her as or not to Mima, but about Mima-chan, uh, refers to as Kirigo Mima, and it's the doctor. 
And the very last scene when she gets in the car, um, and while there are a lot of like pokes at the audience, I think the very last scene is very drama, sort of like 80s movie-esque where she's like, I'm the real Mima, and she looks directly at the camera. Um, so my theory is that the whole movie, or at least the ending of it, is double-bind. Um, that we never actually see the conclusion to whatever really was going on behind the scenes, but double-bind itself is the conclusion we get. Um, and that it runs since we've been sort of conditioned to show that double bind and perfect blue are sort of the same thing. We're just supposed to assume that the way double bind ends is the way that perfect blue ends. That's my theory. I, and I, 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 can I, can I, yeah, just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, I agree with you has that, that changing in her naming is very important for the movie. Um, However, it isn't some uh, Inception thing where it's like a movie inside of a movie inside of a movie. Um, it's, uh, I think it's just to show the evolution of her character and the fact that she shed her, her idol um, sort of clothing or whatever, right? So, like, Mima-chan is what she would be referred to as, um, as an idol. Uh, but as far as I know, you wouldn't call, like, an actress, like, a adult actress not like a you know you know what i mean like a mature actress sort of person like mima chan like that's not a name that would go to someone who is viewed as an adult um because uh doesn't chan usually refer to like a girl or something like a younger She's person 21 i think in the movie so it's probably like that that borderline is my guess okay so the fact that they refer to her um, by her full name, I think, and they're asking if she's a famous actress, is showing that uh, potentially she has, um, like, made that metamorphosis, right? So, like, she is she has changed from an idol, Mima-chan, to an actress, whatever her full name is. I can't remember it. Um and that's how she's viewed by society now. Society doesn't view her as an idol trying to become an actress. Society views her as an actress. Um, now, um, I, uh, Pete, you have something to say yes. about this. So it, it's kind of bank, uh, banking off has where it's like, is this like a movie inside of a movie? Like what's real, what's not real? So there's a scene where she is being interrogated in the movie by the cops. And then that scene you you think that she's like filming for the show and then after that scene they cut to her real life where you see her like i think it's the congratulations scene like in neon genesis we're all like oh no yeah <laughs> and then after that it's like a uh, kind of like a dream state so you get three different types of store like viewpoints in a row and it's hard to distinguish how you view the sh how you view the movie is this like, do you think A is like, is Mima crazy? Uh, is she actually having like a disorder? Is the movie that they're filming the actual movie we're watching? So there's a lot of questions. And that little scene, I think it's like an hour into the movie. You have like a, just, just this surge of like different parallels. Because before you get the type of scene where it's like she's filming and then uh, there's like a scene where like Rumi touches her shoulder, and then when she touches her shoulder, she snaps back into her on set. So you don't really know if she's like daydreaming or if that happened in real life. Where this was like boom, 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 three different types of like 
sceneries and it's a really interesting way to switch like mess with your mind and how you view the movie and i thought that was it i, I thought that was like the best scene in the movie just because it changed my perspective so many times on who i thought was killing the people like how i viewed mommy how i viewed Rumi, how i viewed like the entire movie in general is really it was incredible uh yeah uh, i i don't know i was so uh, i really liked how it would cut back and forth you know with the um like you were saying with those with those scenes that were oh you you never knew what was real or what was a dream sequence and i think that the movie did a very good job with that for a long time but by the end of it and especially with the final like like 15 minutes or so that uh, where it started to stop doing that almost in my eyes at least it stopped doing the the quick cuts that are like oh hey yeah we got you that that was the scene in the movie or whatever that's when the movie started to lose me at the end and, and it was frustrating to me because i i was like waiting for them to almost do the oh we got you that was a movie scene with their with their final little fight that rumi and and uh, uh mima had you know like that it, it just felt like it was doing this it had this theme going where it would constantly be like oh this didn't actually happen or oh this did happen you thought it was a movie it did happen the final few scenes didn't really feel that way to me um but uh i don't know so uh, happy you you had a very interesting question i remember that you asked earlier and, so I, and he had to step away actually really quickly and um it looks like he might have cut his leg so we hope happy is okay um man yeah man. that's okay dangerous um, show uh, he today. just dm'd us um so <laughs> i i think we could talk about though um it, let's just like i don't know dive real deep here because at the end the there is a heavy uh implication that um at least some of these uh, murders have been uh, perpetrated by Rumi. Um, and Rumi is her manager who is sort of like overly protective of Mima. So I know that we have some disagreements as a group about how, or if or if not, Mima is actually responsible for the deaths yes. of any of these people. So I think that the one that is most in question or that she is most likely to have committed uh, would be the murder of the photographer. Yes. Um, so uh, I'm going to throw it to probably Pete yeah. to sort of outline the case that uh, Mima murdered the photographer. Okay, so here's my theory. I think Rumi killed every single person in the movie except for the photographer. And why I view that here's my theory on how it is because I, I think a lot of people think that like Rumi either had like a key to mommy's room or sorry mommy Mima's room and stored the the bloody clothes because you see Mima waking up going into the closet and finding the all the clothes and then you see like the press outside of her room so there's two specific scenes where Rumi comes to Mima's house and rings the doorbell and I think that's a clear indication that Rumi does not have access to her house without Mima being present. So that being said, I do think this, I do think like Mima goes crazy. There's a couple, there's a couple scenes where I think Mima starts to lose it. Uh, when she sees, when she accepts the scene 
the rape scene and seeing her friends celebrate. Uh, there's a scene where the two duos are singing and you see uh, Mima in like her idol uniform come out on stage and people like go ape shit. And it's kind of different because she's wearing like this idol uniform while they're wearing like crop tops and like short shorts and stuff like that. And how the f- fans react makes it really seem like Mima was actually there because it's kind of portrayed as like an illusion. So I do think Mima goes a little crazy during the movie. So I, I think that just because that Rumi didn't have access to it and the key is the ice pick that everybody has the access to the ice pick and that's how everybody's essentially killed. Uh, I do think that Mima killed the photographer. Um, but I, I also have like another theory um, that in the, in the movie that it's portrayed that Mima is poses nude. And I don't think that actually happens. I think that's the viewpoint of Rumi. Um, for two instances, there's a scene, the rape scene where it looks like she's legit getting raped. And I think that's through the eyes of Rumi. That's how they're like portraying Rumi seeing Mima as like her character. And the other scene is when the actual magazine is sold, it's sold on like the middle of the street. And if there's like legit like porno mags, you don't sell them on like the front street. So that's why I don't think that she actually posed nude. So that's my conspiracy theory of the. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm going to challenge your, your view right here, Pete. So if your it. conspiracy theory is two-parted, right? It is that uh, Mima is responsible for the death of the photographer. Um, and that um mima didn't pose nude for the photographer correct why did she kill the photographer i think it was like she was it was another it just added on to first it was like the rape scene where it's just adding more and more and more to her like going crazy and i think this is just where she snapped this is where i think she snapped in the movie so there are flashes during the murder of the photographer of being shot so like do you think she is inventing that in her head like those scenes uh yeah okay so i i think it's through yeah i think it's how it's like she's being portrayed as like because there's a scene like right after where she sees the vision of like herself in her idol uniform where, where like the vision's like you're a filthy woman now like like you are no longer like this person anymore like you are filthy like the exact quote like you are filthy and I think that's like where she snapped. It's like people don't portray me as like this cute like idol anymore. Like they view me as kind of like this sexual like person, like very sexualized, very different. And I think that's where she snaps because I think she, I, I think there's scenes where she's straight up jealous and missing the success of her idol group. And I, I feel like that's kind of like where she wanted because the there's also the other scene where she is in the recording studio. And I don't know if they're recording like a, like a radio show. And that's the scene where the two girls from her duo group are recording. There's the vision of her also in the recording studio. And then she chases it and then gets almost hit by the truck by the stalker. If you remember that scene. So there's like a lot of scenes where it seems like she's extremely jealous that the success of the idol group and that this is who she is now. Like I think before she wanted to be an idol, that was her dream. And then she wanted to be an actress as well, but how she is as an actress isn't like the route that she thought she was going to take. And she, I think she kind of wishes that she went back. Uh, Hess, you have something. Yeah. I also wanted to say just to, to, uh, to Pete's point there, the idea that Mima um, 
is not the initial murder, but continues them. Um, kind of uh, goes into another point in the in the movie that's sort of there throughout where Mima starts to sort of like things that she believes are like are suggested she believes happen uh with the stalker page of mima's room right and when you see like she's like oh maybe i did go there with like a, a trip somewhere or whatever like using her left foot to step out of a train or whatever and it makes her paranoid in in terms of how the murders went the first murder happened with the photographer and then there was sort of this you have this scene on set um where it's like oh is she cursed and, and people start to say like people around her are gonna die etc and like that becomes a little theory it's very slight but it would sort of be in line with what else happens with mima sort of just starting to manifest what she is suggested to be happening yes this is there's specifically a scene where she's she's like she looks like she's just in like terrible condition and she's browsing uh mima's room the website and it's like she's at there's like a blog post that she's at a certain location and her like exact response was oh i guess i was there today like she doesn't know like where she was or what she's like she doesn't know if like she actually was there if she's just believing whatever the persons are posting on there she's like she's losing her mind she doesn't know so the, the, so that that location is actually very important because the location was a shopping center in the picture of her at the shopping center you see the green polo that the pizza delivery person wore it, during the murder and then you see it later cover in blood in her closet which you know it, i guess is like the biggest piece of evidence pointing to mima having killed the person however i i do think it, it like you should like the point does need to be made that um mima doesn't remember doing that um and mima sees um Rumi as herself often uh because of her <laughs> deteriorating mental state um you know i'm not saying that uh mima was uh sane <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination um i just don't think that she i don't think she murdered anyone really so um johnny uh, what do you got to say about this? Alright, so I just want to say for the pizza scene, that like, I, I'm i on pizza side, I think that it was Mima, because, so, Miles, you're saying that Rumi was the person that killed the photographer. Uh, like, 100%, yes. I am also in that boat, I can't believe it. Okay, but here's, here's some points that I want to mention. First of all, is that the size of the clothes. So, that, are you, do you think that they would have been able to fit onto Rumi? Um, I mean, Rumi has been known to wear outfits that don't fit her uh, to appear as Mima uh, throughout the series. That is true. Yeah, that that's. I was gonna yeah. say that um, even in the last scene, like she's wearing the the idol right. outfit, and it's not. I believe the outfit is also very her. baggy on on the pizza delivery person, right? Like, it's, it, I'm not. Uh, was sure. it very I'd baggy? To, I would have to go back and check to be honest. Yeah. I I don't remember. Yeah. Like, either way, like, my stance on this is kind of, like, in... Right, so, hang on. So, we're all in agreement here that both people are insane. No. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Mima's absolutely crazy. I, I think she 
gets it together by the end, but like she's definitely having like identity issues. So so we're so we're saying that both Mima and Rumi here were having like delusions about the idol mommy. Yes. Mima, yeah, sorry. It's just it's so so many names. Okay, so like my my point I was trying to say is that like both these people are having like these like mental delusions about the same how should I say this? The same idea of like this idol because like see like uh, for Mima's perspective, it's her like going away from who she used to be and she thinks that she is inferior because of the things she does now. And for Rumi's perspective is the fact that like Mima is no longer who she used to be and she and she can't accept that, so she creates a delusion where it's where that version of Mima still exists. I think it's, I and think it's another thing, to be honest. Uh, I, Rumi is also known as like a failed uh, idol and actress, so I think you could also see it as Rumi is like portraying herself onto Mima. Yeah, like living that's vicariously a good, through her. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like she feels that like. She, yeah, that's a good point. She like wants to be that exactly. version of Mima. And then, like, the one thing we haven't talked about yet is the Stalker, because because the, it, you can see that the Stalker also sees, like, this, like, idol Mima just, like, around him. Yeah, so I think that that, um, and I, I'm sure other people have stuff, but I guess quickly, he gets emailed by who is Rumi, um, telling him that he is the real Mima, like, don't believe these things you're seeing. Don't believe these, like, lewd photo shoots and what you're seeing on TV. Do you know like, it's Rumi or do you just... Uh... You, you know it's Rumi. It's pretty it, clear it's, it's Rumi. It's pretty clear, um, yeah. Okay. And that, like, he he should believe that, like, this person is not real. That she's an imposter. And because he idolizes uh, the idol Mima so much, he he buys into this that the actual uh, Mima is an imposter. Like the very beginning, you see a scene where he like is looking at her and he like holds his hand up in like such an angle that it looks like he's like holding her as like this. Yeah. yeah, Like as she dances on stage, like she is like a literal object that he possesses. Um, And so because he doesn't like the direction she's headed along with Rumi, they sort of, I guess, like, co-conspire, um, but he doesn't really seem smart enough to conspire. He gets influenced by her um, to, you know, go along with her wills and even attempts to uh, kill uh, Mima towards the end of the movie. The, yes, because she thinks that it's not actually Mima. He thinks that it's a traitor. He thinks that it's an imposter. It's a person pretending to be... Um, Mima and ruining her character because because he is so he is so delusioned in, that he thinks that the one that he's actually talking that the the Rumi who he's talking to through email is uh is the real uh, Mima or whatever which I I mentioned this in my in my notes I think it was really cool how even in 1997 this they you know they talked about oh don't look at that that page that fan page uh in general like they they showed it was a good critique on how bad the internet could be for people's mental states or for misinformation or for anything along those lines like that the internet is very notoriously bad about and uh i think the fact that they knew that back in 1997 when 
the internet was barely, you know, barely taking off. You know, like they had to, like they showed in the movie, she was, she had to learn how to type like HTTP and, and all sorts of things like that in to make a web page work. It, the fact that they knew back then how damaging it could be, uh, it kind of shows, or I think that that was interesting at least. Uh, but yeah. Um, Happy, did you, uh, did you have something else you wanted to add about the, um, about the scene in general, I think? So you were talking about how, um, how it was a commentary and how the internet can be like a bad thing for like a celebrity or whatnot. Um, hmm. Okay, I'm not sure if this is relevant, but you guys remember the story about that, like, uh, that girl in Japan who like stabbed her boyfriend like several times and she became very popular on the internet or something. The Yandere, the, like the RL Yandere yeah. girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if that's relevant to what we're talking about, but that's something I just thought of. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's relevant in the sense that it's like the same, I guess, the same idea, but, um, but yeah, I, I think I, I can see why your mind jumps there. I, I guess, you know, like the, the, the I mean, calling out. Mima Yandere isn't that much of a stretch, so. Uh, I see. That's that's a stretch to me because again, I think, I think me mania. Could... Oh, go ahead, Pat. Sorry. So no, you're good. Um, I think. Well, yeah, I think. Me, yeah, like I'm sure Miles. I think was about to say that me maybe is a yandere. I think that's a fair, fair thing. He's the uh, ugliest yandere I've ever seen. Um, my God, he. But he's of course meant to be. He's meant to be this sickening to look at person that is very clearly like an incel. You know, like yeah, a, this, a this man that... created the idea of ugly bastard. <laughs> he is too skinny for ugly bass yeah that's fair not not that we would know we're, he we're looks like joakim noah for my my basketball fans out there you're um, an anime podcast no one knows oh, who joakim he, noah is. he looks worse than joakim noah I, I god i what if joakim noah listens to us what if we what if we had like one really famous fan come like, join our club please I mean, please I, I will leave it permanently for saying that you look like uh, me mania, you can take over the host position from me. That guy's eyes look like like fish eyes. Like yeah, like... Joakim, I agree. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um. Yeah. Any, anyways, uh, God, where, what were we talking about it's before that? I, I do want to. <laughs> I, I think that Happy brings up something that's relatively uh, relevant here that there are things IRL that are pretty similar to the story. I know Pete had one he wanted to talk about. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was wondering how, how much this was based off of the real-life event of Selena, where, if you don't know who Selena, Selena is, she was essentially Jennifer Lopez before Jennifer Lopez was Jennifer Lopez, which is funny because Jennifer Lopez plays her in the movie, where she's like this huge up-and-coming uh, Mexican pop singer, and she was murdered by her... Um, fan club like president and essentially what the how it happened was that the president felt so entitled to like owning selena like selena was getting so big that she was for everybody and not just for her so if for some reason in her mind she's like well if everybody wants her no one can have her so i'm going to murder her and so i kind of got the vibe from this because like rumi kind of was like giving off like this feel of like well, Mima was my creation, and now she's becoming. Because she, in, in terms of like the idol world, they were like pretty low bar idols, and so I feel like that level of success didn't bother Rumi. But then when she started getting on in like motion pictures, 
and people are seeing the talent that she has and it's like oh now more people are talking about mima more people are, are hurting the image of mima that's my mima and so i'm going to kill her and i felt like that had like a really selena vibe to it i was like that's kind of crazy that like it, they mixed those things together uh, yeah, yeah. I, I do. Um, another example from that, um, IRL is, I don't know if you guys know about like the Bjork stalker sort of case, um, but it was like uh, like a super fan, sort of similar to Me Mania, who like stalked, um, I think Bjork is Swedish. I don't know what she is. Um, Icelandic. Icelandic. Um, the Icelandic singer Bjork. Uh, and he... Uh, slowly found out that, like, her persona wasn't actually, like, who she was in real life. And he could not take it, filmed a series of videos where he, like, slowly loses his mind, puts together a package in the mail that is a sulfuric acid bomb that he sends to her with the attempt to, like, mail it to her to kill her, and then he would kill himself so that they could be together in heaven. Um, so... Like, that's sort of, I think, like, the themes in this movie sort of resonate with how celebrity is handled IRL uh, as well. Uh, just, like, with people's inability to uh, take someone off the pedestal, to realize that they're a real person, that personas exist, um, you know, that there's, like, a public-facing person, and that people can change and evolve over time. Um, Johnny, you had something to say. Yeah. Well, like, this is... This is going back to what Pete said about like Rumi and her feelings for uh, Mima. I I don't think it had to do with her becoming more popular. I think it just had to do with her like losing what made her like who she was. Like she, I think it was more of like the fact that she was losing her innocence, not that she was getting more popular. Because I feel like she would be happy if she became more popular because like she had like had the delusions that she was Mima. So I don't feel like her becoming popular would be a reason for Rumi to want to kill her. Uh, well, I, I guess it's viewed because, like, if you if Rumi really views like living vicariously through Mima, it shows that Rumi was a failure and that Mima is a, a, a success, and that she didn't want Mima to be more successful than her. It's kind of like how I viewed it. But I don't, I don't think success had to do too much with it because I. She want because like she wanted her to be popular. That's why she was her. Well, agent. like her success led to like the scenes where, the, like you saw when Rumi or when Mima had like the rape scene that Rumi was crying in that like on the on the sidelines. Like you saw her getting these roles and her becoming more popular, especially in like in the photo shoot scene as well. You're you're seeing the loss of innocence from Mima, and I think it's the the like she didn't want Mima to continue down this road. Because like her success led to like the loss of innocence. I don't. I don't think it has to do with the popularity though, because as you said, it's the it's the fact that she's losing her innocence, not that she's becoming more popular. I, think, I don't think, I think becoming... it's both. I just think it's both. I think it, that's just my view. Yeah, I, I can see what Johnny's saying. Like Johnny, your your thought is that if she ended up being like the world's most popular pure and innocent idol, uh, that Rumi would be like all over that and be like, yay, go Mima. Yeah, exactly. Because Rumi's her agent. She, she did this so that she could be successful. So I don't see why she would be upset. At, she would be upset. At the fact that she did become successful. It's just, she didn't like the path that she went yeah, down. Her success led her to that path. 
Yeah, Pete is saying, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that so Rumi attempted to do the career pivot that uh, Mima did, and it did not go well for Rumi, um, as you can tell by her appearance and the fact that she's an agent now. Um, so I, I think that what Pete is getting at is that she, uh, Mima went down the path uh, that Rumi tried to go down, um, and that path is sort of, um, that career switch was something that, like, Rumi sort of blamed for her own failures, and since Mima is being successful at it, um, it's not the career path's fault that Rumi failed, it's her fault, and so, like, her attempting to shelter Mima from that, uh, it started off in her own head is altruistic, but it was actually her wanting to like avoid her own failures and preserve someone that she viewed herself as or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think you can literally like view it a bunch of different ways and everybody can be right. Like, I think Johnny is right. And I also think I'm right. I think we're kind of like in the same direction. We're just saying different things. We kind of mean the same thing. It's but it's like eighty five percent similar. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's a very similar. Yeah, well, like I don't think I don't think for a show like this, there's something necessarily like the right answer. It's yeah, really exactly. just up to the audience interpretation. Absolutely. For you, a show you, like this, there is no right or wrong. You could tell by everyone's perspective on who we thought killed the photographer. It's just like it's literally just up to like how you viewed things. Well, well, no, well, everyone else is wrong except for the people who say that it was. Yeah, no, everyone's opinion is wrong except mine, obviously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I do want to throw a wrench into what Pat and I were saying, um, really quickly. I, I do think that we should probably start, uh, I guess, wrapping up here kind of soon. But uh, a thing to note is that this, this movie, and I think we should discuss what this means because we, we haven't really done that. So we're gonna just sort of impromptu this discussion. Um, this movie is bookended by two uh, voice acting. Uh, first off, did everyone watch the sub or did anyone watch the dub? Uh, I watched sub. 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 Okay, cool. So everyone watched the sub. So this actually doesn't happen in the dub and it's a mistake. But um, during Mima's solo and the actual, at the beginning of the movie, Mima's solo during the sham um, concert, and the very last scene uh, where she says, like, I'm the real me or whatever. Um, I'm the real one or something like that. Uh, that is not Mima's voice actress. Uh, that is Rumi's voice actress. So what do we think about that? What does that mean? Um, Pat looks really wide eyed. Um, so we're going to wait and let him gather his thoughts with that revelation. Um, <laughs> has. What, what do you think about that? Oh, last mind twist. So th this is uh, this information that was thrown to us about uh, 20, 30 minutes before we started recording. Uh, we found out, or Miles informed us. I don't know how long Miles knew, but fuck him for informing us at all. Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, so I have an aneurysm. There was a earlier conversation in our pre-show, which has ran on longer than the actual show is going to go, <laughs> where we uh, were all discussing who the fuck is real to begin with. Um, because it's there is a way people... Mima herself doesn't exist. Um, or Rumi doesn't exist. Or the stalker doesn't exist. Now, what I think 
<laughs> is that in the beginning, there's two ways this could go. There's the way that I'm going to fit it into my ending and, and the way that it seems. It seems like Mima doesn't exist. Or if Mima exists, um, her life is being... What, her and Rumi is like fucking with Mima's career it's, uh, in some way. That's how it looks to me. Like There's another scene that uh, happens later on where Mima appears to go on stage uh, after she's pretty much lost like she she's done with the idol group um and the idols are noticeably concerned uh because they're very confused as to some why someone's there and although at the time initially it looks like it, it's just like the ghost meme or whatever we're calling her um the cons like the fan reaction and the fact that the idols are confused make it seem like someone's there um I personally think that if we're, if we're going down the route of people that don't exist, I, I I think Rumi went on stage as Mima. I think Rumi uh, quite possibly did get out in the end and take over Mima's position in the world um, because there's multiple times that Mima and Rumi uh, or ghost Mima and Rumi are shown parallel to each other through a mirror. Um, and the one right before the end, where right before the chasing starts, Rumi's in the reflection, um, meaning that she's fully transformed into her ideal version of Mima. But when we see her again in the psych ward, Rumi is the one that's being shown with ghost Mima in the mirror. But that would imply that she reverted, which I don't think she did. So it's highly possible that Rumi got away with it all. And that Rumi is now Mima. Uh, yeah. Damn. I, I, okay, so uh, where do I begin? <laughs> okay, so first of all, I just want to mention that last scene. I think that has to do with the matter of perspective. Because, for, because when the first mirror scene, it's implied that you're seeing it from Mima's perspective. And you see that, like, you see, like, like the person who's actually there is, quote-unquote, idol Mima, but then you see the reflection is actually Rumi, and I think that implies that, like, that was actually Rumi, it's just that that's how Mima sees her, and in the scene where she's in the psych ward, she is looking at herself in the mirror, which, like, in this case, herself, I mean Rumi, and we see Rumi looking at her own reflection, which is Mima, so that means that she still thinks that she herself is Mima, obviously, but I don't think this has to do with, like, the... I don't think this is a case of, like, Rumi replacing Mima in any way is the fact that like, it's just her own delusions. Well, I, I I was just saying that like maybe not literally replace, but I think that the person because I, I think also outside of Pat, of course, um, we all agree that both of them are fucking crazy. I think the person that ends up in the psych ward is Mima, and that Rumi gets to live on with her delusions outside. So there is a scene where in the psych ward where Mima is walking to the mirror of the psych ward to see idol Mima, but then uh, regular in the psych ward Mima turns into Rumi. Um, so Wait, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, okay, so it, it, in the psych ward, there is a scene where it, you see Rumi in the psych ward, correct? But then there is a scene where the person in the psych ward 
well, I'm just going to paste it here. But, like, basically, it's M Mima looking at idol Mima in the mirror in the psych ward at the end with Mima looking on to both of them from the observation area. That, like, that was the scene where I was talking about. I think that was from Rumi's perspective and that, like, Mima mm -hmm. doesn't actually see that in the mirror because it's implied that at the end of the movie, Mima becomes better. So why would she see her idol self again? Is it so, implied, though? Because, again, the very last line of the movie from Mima is said by Rumi's voice actress. See, I, see, I was, see, that was the point I was going to go into, is the fact that Rumi still thinks that she is Mima. So it's a double meaning. They both think they are the same person. Yeah, I think they're both crazy. I mean, I, I, think, I think Mima yeah. gets better. Uh, like at the end where you see it, but I think at one point in the movie they are both like split personality, going crazy type of people. Yeah, that's that's how I see. It. I see it as the fact that they are both they both think they're the same person, and that's why they use the voice actor. Uh, happy. What what have you got to uh, throw your wrench into this into this pipeline? <laughs> yeah. So my thought is that okay, maybe Rumi isn't real at all. Maybe it's all just a metaphor for Mima letting go of like her idol career, because when you think about it, when you think about like when uh, Mima's like breaking down slowly, who's always there for her? Who is her constant companion? It's Rumi. Like when you have like two scenes of her. Um, at Mima's dorm or apartment or whatever, and um, <clears throat> and she seems to be this almost like this moral compass at first, like with the <clears throat> you, you know what scene, and then later she's. I'm sorry, I'm I'm bad at talking, but um, yeah, but like she's always Ruby's like this only the only person who seems to care for her. And then when it's later revealed that this idol Mima is really Rumi, I, I don't know. I don't. I. I'm no, happy. I think I know drugs. what you're saying because there's two scenes where um, Mima wakes up from a dream state and the doorbell rings and it's Rumi. So I think right, I know. Right, I, I right, think right. I know what you're saying. Right. That like when yeah, she's right. in distress, it's usually Rumi that seems to be there. Yeah, right, 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 right. So I I had agreed with you when I first watched this happy, but then I watched this movie like a bajillion other times because I, I needed to know. And you can't know, it's impossible. However, there is a scene where uh Mima calls uh whatever her male manager's name is, and Rumi is in that room with him as she's like there. So Oh, okay. I, okay. I think we see uh, Rumi around other people and interacting with other people when we know Mima is somewhere else, that they both have to be real, and I really want to create a world where one of them isn't, but I think they both are, and we just need to like reconcile with that somehow. And um, it's a little bit difficult. Pat, you have had a lot of time to think about this. Yeah. What, what do you got? What, if, what have you done? What does your brain come up with? Well... Alright, so first off, um, I do think that uh, Mima goes through very serious like paranoia and psychological issues throughout the film, but I don't think she ever actually snaps or, or is crazy. I don't think she could ever be defined as crazy, because I think, even if you call it paranoia, I think a lot of it was justified, considering the 
the events that were happening, whether that's with her fan page or with um, her her number one fan showing up and at these random times, which of course maybe she was seeing him most of those scenarios, but he definitely also was stalking her and putting newspaper clippings or whether that was her or uh, Rumi or putting up those newspaper clippings of the guy that was um, murdered or the guy that was assaulted. Like, you know, that's open for interpretation like most of this movie is. Um, I don't know. I piecing together what exactly happened is very difficult and and even listening to you guys i'm i'm not very sold on any of your theories other than the one that i already was stuck with which was the fact that rumi is the one that did all of this murdering and all of the um the issues that that happened i think based around uh rumi not not so much uh mima snapping or or doing anything again i th- there's so much going on this is why this is why you gotta watch the movie on your own because otherwise you are not going to understand a goddamn word we've said and there is I and mean, we've been talking for about an hour and like five minutes or so about this movie and there is so much we haven't touched yet there's so many more questions that we cannot answer in this time and we're not going to i already have a headache so let's just like <laughs> yeah i i don't know i i am so it's it was so hard i mean i remember I, so i watched it this morning and i like messaged miles and i was like okay so um so what did you think about this this and that and even that only made me question myself more and change my opinion on this movie more the more you think about it the more your opinion changes which is fantastic first off that a movie's able to do this and while still being somewhat sensical you know like um i i, I haven't really seen inception that well i i think i watched it when i was uh under the influence once and that was it but but even then like, i was so lost even by the end of it that it didn't make enough sense to me that i felt good after watching it this movie is an, is quite the opposite where i felt i felt so confident that i understood what happened and then i talked to more people about it and hearing all these different theories has definitely changed my perspective on it like it, i it is constantly evolving uh and i i'm assuming you guys feel the same way um uh, but yeah, I think we're 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 all squared away. I mean, there's no real best boy or girl kind of. This is again not not the vibe of this movie at, not all. at all. Not at all. It's almost a critique on that section of our show. So you know what? Maybe 20 years in advance, they knew that we would be doing some segments like this, and they decided to to say screw your segments. That's messed up, and and your whole fantasizations about characters in general is bad i don't know satoshi Kon might have to come on and explain himself sometime he's welcome to if you'd like yeah, to a big fan of the show i know he is um so yeah. you know oh, when, yeah, so when you hear this dm me satoshi um yeah yeah, yeah hit us up uh we're, we're here uh but yeah so let's move on to final thoughts and uh we'll just go in the order uh final thoughts and scores uh so we'll just go in the order that i have on my screen so miles why don't you kick us off with your final thoughts and your score for perfect blue yeah this movie is fucking dope um there's a lot of things to think about in the movie it is a lot of fun to think about this movie it is a lot of fun to watch this movie um this is one of those movies where i first watched it and i was like wow was this bad and then i thought about it and i was like Nah, it's like really good, huh? Um, 
And then I, I, I watched it a few more times. Um, for anime movies out there, if people are looking for a comparison, the closest comparison for not exactly what happens, but the way I felt while watching this movie um, would be the end of Evangelion. Um, because both of them just sort of like had a, I have, I have like a initial visceral distaste yeah. for them. Um, and this one, not as strong as end of Evangelion, which made me want to die and vomit and just not be a human anymore. But um, it, it definitely is something that like, you watch it and you're like, huh, did that even make sense? And then you realize that it might've, and then you can't stop thinking about it. Um, so, uh, I'd recommend this movie. I'd say watch it. Um, you know, and it's fun to read stuff online and listen to critical analysis and all of that and try to put stuff together. Um, uh, I'm going to give it a fuck. God fucking fuck. Sorry, um, sorry. yeah, yeah, you got it, Pete. You win. It's a 10. You got it. Woo! You win. It's a freaking 10. Wow, Miles. So Woo! you earlier today, when I was talking to you, you said it's floating. Uh, I can't decide between an 8 or a 9. So you have completely changed. I um, have done nothing but think about this movie for, when was that? Like 9 a.m.? That was like it's been 12 <laughs> hours. Yeah, it was 9 a.m. It was. I like you've been thinking about this for 12 hours. I, uh, yeah. No, I feel like that scene from Always Sunny uh, where Charlie's just like, and just like looking at the, the whiteboard the with whiteboard. all the lines everywhere <laughs> and everything. And there's just, it, it, I don't know. This movie's fucking great. It's like a classic for a reason. Uh, and they, you know what? They fucking fully animated the idol scenes. So fuck you, Love Live. Yeah, seriously. Uh, they they actually did the thing that idol anime, in my humble opinion, as someone who doesn't watch that kind of stuff, that they should, the, the one thing that they should probably focus on, right? That you would think would be focused on an idol anime. Uh, but I guess that's something to talk about another time. Uh, Happy, what have you got for a uh, final score and uh, and your final thoughts as well? So, first of all, uh, you you, want, you guys all realize that Toshi Kon is dead, right? No. He's a big fan of the show. Uh, he, we transcend dimensions. He left a comment, <laughs> so left a comment th- on the last video. What are you yeah. talking about? So one thing I thought about too is like, it, it, now I couldn't find an article that he addressed this movie very like upfront about like what he the way he wrote it because obviously so because he wrote it he knows like what happened or he he had an idea of of what happened in the movie but I don't recall him ever coming out and actually directly saying it which of course a lot of directors don't do that. But um, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like I expected more interviews to be to have been conducted around this movie. But either so, way, that, that's a different different point. The only thing I saw from him was in response to people calling this like basically a massive. And you know what? Shitoshi is wrong about what he did. So he was saying basically like he didn't mean to get go at the idol community, and that like he did his research and stuff, but like. He wanted to like apologize for people watching this and like thinking that the idol industry was like bad. Um, but in it, he said he wanted to make a story about a girl who has issues with her identity who comes out stronger um, and like more convicted at the end. Um, so ultimately, that is what this movie is about. Per word of God, there is death of the author and all of that. So take that as you will. Especially since he was saying that this wasn't a critique of the idol industry in it, and honestly. 
It is. So it I was just say like I don't know how I don't yeah. know how it could not be. Yeah, he, he might not have meant that, but it for sure is. So yeah, I don't anyways. know how he didn't mean that. Um, that was him saving face. So yeah, there's like, no. Like, sorry, buddy, you lied through your teeth because there's uh, no way that yeah, this wasn't. But it, anyways, but, happy, please, please. Sorry to cut you off there. I just I I did want to make I meant to make that point when Miles first finished, and it slipped my mind. Uh, maybe I'm having some DID myself. Uh, who knows? But uh, happy, go ahead uh, with your final thoughts. Oh, and okay, score. okay, I- I'm I'm going. Um, so I feel like as an art house piece, it's pretty, it's really well done, really well crafted. Uh, as a meta commentary of like the idol industry and of like Japanese pop culture in general, I think it's really, really good. Even if it wasn't intended that way, like Satoshi Kon said. Uh, my biggest hurdle is just some of those trigger warnings, like the sexual sexualization, excuse me. And it's, I don't think it's an awful film. It's just, it's not one I would gravitate towards. So I'd give it a five out of 10. Five out of 10. Wow. Fair enough. Um, that's, well, I didn't expect you to go that low. It's good for you though. I, I stick to your guns, man. I respect it. Uh, Has, what have you got for a uh, final score and thoughts? This movie um, was amazing. I I am so glad I waited last minute to watch it because God forbid I, I watched this a week yeah. early and it, it just would have been a bad time for that week. Um, this is like, this movie is like the first time you get high. Like you want to set aside a day or two for it, right? Just to take it all in. Um, so yeah, no, this, this movie is great. I, obviously there's a lot of ways to take it. Uh, as you could tell from our conversation, if you can, if you're good with dealing with like you know uncomfortable things like the, the struggle cuddle, call <laughs> uh, it a struggle cuddle. <laughs> We're gonna move on from that point. As continue, please. Um, yeah, no, like I, I'm, I'm pretty good with that. Uh, it's like all the manga. That came out wrong, but... Yeah, okay, yeah. we got it. <laughs> 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. There it is. Okay, um, there we go. Uh, Johnny, what have you got? Okay, I'm just... I'm, I'm tr- trying to avoid what happens. <laughs> okay, so, like, that stuff aside, like, I, that stuff doesn't bother me. It's like... But the same problem is that while it doesn't bother me, it doesn't make me invest into a show by itself. Which, like, I talked about this before, how I actually felt connected to the characters, so that was an improvement. But yeah, like, this show, like, going into it, honestly, like, I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. So just for that, I'll probably give it an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10 for Johnny. All right, Pete, what uh, what about you? So this was, I think, by far the best thing we've done on watch club to date uh this show was genius it's it's i already updated like my top 100 anime is now my top is now my number 13 anime of all time i am putting it above silent voice it's gonna get 10 out of 10 this movie is absolutely incredible how many different like we talked about pre-show for two hours and we weren't even close to done talking about it and now we talked about it on here for another like hour and a half still not done talking about it we didn't even talk about the scene where she was sexually assaulted in the studio. Her clothes are ripped off. And then when they go back into the studio, she has brand new clothes on. It's like, there's so many layers to this movie in 80 minutes. It's incredible. This is one of the easiest 10 out of, uh, 10s of my entire life. The show is 
just pure genius. Everybody should watch it if you're above like 15. Love it, love it, love it. If I could give it like a 30 out of 10, I would. So I'll give it a 10. Wow. All right. So there, there's a 10 out of 10 from Pete. Uh, so I, I agree. This, this movie's a classic for a reason, and it, it kept me hooked, and it still has kept me hooked. And obviously, as you can see, it kept all of us hooked in some way. Um, like, like so long. And I'm gonna be thinking about this, like, like others have said. I'm gonna be thinking about this for a long time. I'm not gonna. It's not gonna just vanish like other shows might. Um, my biggest praise of the film is that uh again the, the the rape scene it's it's so so well done and it is it is disturbing it is it is it causes a volatile reaction inside of you while also still being incredibly well shot and symbolic and i i love it where where this film this film's biggest downfall for me was it, it or Miles put it best. It, it it does a lot of things really well, but then it just doesn't tie the bow on at the end. Is what he is the way he put it, and I I agree with that. I I think that considering they gave us so many fake outs, but then direct answers to those fake outs throughout the movie, the very ending didn't didn't tie up enough for me, and I, I was left very frustrated uh, at, at the end. Like I usually am with a lot of these things. I, I wonder if that's the common theme, but. Uh, despite that this movie is is phenomenal again i i we cannot sing its praises enough i i'm gonna give it a nine out of ten uh i couldn't quite give it the uh, that perfect score but it is it is again stunning and something that you really just have to watch uh so yeah i think uh based off of my math that totals us up to an 8.6 average uh with the five holy shit with the five an 8.6 yeah, yeah it's, like, fair. Uh, it's an 8.66 repeating is is my tally uh if someone wants to check my math they can but i'm pretty sure i'm right i don't know it's not that hard. it's not i i last last week was an exception i um, believe in you um last week was my other personality yeah so oh, uh, nice. yeah yeah thank you um mm-hmm. very very good joke i i, I appreciate the uh the, the, all the laughs you guys just gave me for it um but yeah, so I, I guess uh, that wraps up our discussion of Perfect Blue. Again, an 8.66, that is now Is that our, one or two? That is number two behind Ping, Ping Pong. Pong. Oh, yeah. Yep. What was okay. Ping Pong again? Uh, Ping Pong was an 8.86. Wow, so okay. that is going to be hard to touch. Although I think, no, it's not going to because there's you guys in this podcast. But I think the show that we're watching next week could arguably be up there with Ping Pong. Uh, so why don't we? I'm gonna hand it to Miles because my I I think we all know who won this week, but we yeah, don't. Know let's just let's just say the order, just just because. Yeah, he, let's do the order. Just kidding. I actually haven't done that math yet because I had no desire to count things. I, I I am not kidding here. Like I'm gonna do this math at some point, and some stupid show with like four votes, like Megalobox, is gonna come in second. So wow, that was my show. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pete, your shows don't win for a reason. Um, so. I, I, I think that uh, the winner of this week is Violet Evergarden. The second place show of this week is also Violet Evergarden. Every show that anyone voted for in any capacity is Violet. I actually forgot to vote um, this week. I, I think it's just because, like, within 40 seconds of last week, week everyone sent me their votes, and they were just all for Violet Evergarden. Yeah. 
And I was just like, well, this is done. There's no point. My voice doesn't matter. I <laughs> Every vote count, counts, Miles. Every, you can't uh, know for sure. Um, much actually, like Miles, uh, um, actually, I won the election. We're actually doing Megalobox. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good point. Using his power as you uh, So <laughs> I have decided that the votes that I don't like are fake votes. Um, and they were cast after the deadline, exactly. <laughs> um, even, even though they were well before the deadline. Um, and we will be watching, um, Megalobox. Fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> um, um, we're going to be watching the Megalobox special known as Violet Evergarden. Yeah. Um, so yeah, everyone get ready to strap in and hug your cute male courier because it is. Violet Evergarden time. I finally have to watch the show. Thank God. Um, I can't wait to disappoint Pat. Yes, um, very much so. You're going I, to I'm going to give it like an eight or a nine, and he's going to be aghast. Uh, yep. <laughs> so, uh, like, I, he has called it like anime of of the decade. The decade. I, will, I will um, stand by that. It was the anime, the non-movie anime of the decade for sure. So, so yeah. Uh, Get your Netflix subscription warmed up, and let's all watch. Also, watch. get a lot of napkins. Yeah, violet napkins, tissues. You don't want to be. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know like what that. you guys use. Usually, you wipe your eyes with tissues, don't you, Johnny? Yeah, I know that's maybe you use tissues for other things. But anyways, now we have to do our nominations for this week. Uh, t- so we know the violet ever gotten one. So whoever voted for, or nominated that, I think was it Johnny who nominated? No, it has. It was has. I knew it was one of you two. Um, so has you're gonna have to come up with a new nomination this week. I'm sure you were prepared because you probably knew that we were doing this show anyways. But uh, just to give you a little bit of time, we'll start with Miles. Miles, what show are you going to be nominating for this coming week of uh, this coming week's votes? Uh, I should say. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think I'm just going to double down on the Satoshi Kon films. I've nominated the show before, or this movie before, uh, and I'm just going to do Paprika. We're gonna we're gonna give it another go. We're gonna re up the Paprika. I'm gonna nice. spice it up. Ah, <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> that that one was pretty good i don't know thank you guys i appreciate once again all of your laughter i hate you uh happy <laughs> show are you nominating this week okay show that i'm gonna nominate um has anybody heard of the anime release the spice oh yeah it came out last year i think was it okay i think i'll nominate that it's pretty much just princess principle but like modern yep Release the spice. Yeah, okay. it's like um, they, they were like, like don't make mech, another spice mech joke. suits and stuff. Like I don't know. It it's not highly rated, but it looks pretty. So I I'm I'm down for it. Good nomination, Happy. I like it. Uh, all right, let's go to Has now. Has what are you nominating now? Place Violet Evergarden. So th- uh, this is hard because I do I want to win again or <laughs> do I want to sh- shit the bed? Um, yeah, no. I, I originally thought that I would become a high-class monster. Um, I'm not. I can't do it. I don't know how Miles does it. So I'm going to nominate something um, something off the wall, something I can only describe as a uh, Matrix, the dating simulator. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I nominated it before. It's called If Her Flag Breaks. Uh, and this show is a harem show with... Uh, as the t- title implies, uh, flags being the main component that um, 
goes into an Evangelion level twist. Um, and and that's all I'm gonna say. Okay, uh, I, you have not nominated this before, I don't think. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah, Did yeah. he really? Yeah. Okay, well then you might have described. I didn't. It I didn't. I didn't describe it like this. Okay, that's I wanted, why. Okay. I wanted it to be a full surprise. Oh, I have to like, vote for have this, to huh? You do. Wow, that sucks. Okay, for sure. <laughs> All right, uh, Johnny, what have you got for us? All right. So I've been rec- I've been nominating the same show like twice now, but I si- I think if we're gonna watch Violet Evergarden, we can't handle all the depression. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do something a little bit nicer. So my recommendation for this week is gonna be a teasing Master Tiger Yi song. Nice, I love that show. Okay, uh, that, season three, season yeah, one, season three one, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, no, only season one. Only season one. By the way, I just want to specify that. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we we knew, and we weren't watching multiple seasons. That's for sure. I mean, uh, if you guys uh, want to, go ahead. I, I'll pass. Yes, <laughs> Pete. <laughs> Pete. Go ahead. Uh, uh, I kind of got the same vibes as Johnny. I want to do something that's not depressing and switch it up a little bit. And maybe we can have some fun. So I'm going to recommend College Drinking, the anime, aka Grand Blue. Grand Blue. Okay. I like, I've heard good things about that. Uh, all right. So I guess that leaves just me left. Um, God, I'm so excited to be doing my Evergarden. It's not just depression, guys. Come on. It's, it is, it is beautiful. Pretty water and depression. Beautiful no, depression. It is, it is emotion uh, depicted so well. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm just going to keep going with the same nomination that teams it seems to do well every week i'm assuming this week it probably placed in the top three like it always does um elfin lead you can't go wrong again we, we can get into some more psychological shit with that show and i think it, i think it's gonna be a good time it's also one of the few shows on my plan to watch that isn't hasn't aired yet so or, or is that has aired so far. So, so I, I do want to knock it off the list eventually. So yeah. Um, so those are our six nominations. I think that wraps up uh, our, our meeting today. So thank you guys for, for joining us and listening. Um, and you guys are welcome to vote in the discord. I guess I should just let Pete do his usual. Yeah, plug. Why not? Hey, Hey, guess what? Since, uh, since Pat said that we have a discord, you should join it. Links in the, the description below. We're also on Twitter. What do you say? Annie, that's what you say. A and I on Twitter. We are now we are also now affiliated with Books a Million. So if you are looking to buy physical manga, we have a affiliate link. They have a buy to get the third free for physical manga. And guess what? You get to help out the brand if you just click the link and buy it from there. So consider doing that. But other than that, uh, next week we have our Mal review episode, which is probably going to be a bunch of fun. Can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So tune in if you like games and really bad mal reviews and then in two weeks we're gonna be list or you'll we'll be discussing violet evergarden somewhere in the meantime me and miles will be playing a lot of world of warcraft so hopefully we get around to watching violet evergarden somewhere in that in that time but thank you so much again for listening uh like comment subscribe it helps us beat the whatever algorithm is out there so join the forces today and defeat the youtube algorithm or the spotify algorithm wherever you're listening so thanks a lot and we'll see you next time